It's a great day to live for Jesus. This is the In the Word podcast with Pastor Mike Grover, a chapter-by-chapter devotional journey through the New Testament where we will browse the background, discover the doctrine, and practice the principles of God's Word for us today. You know, as a kid growing up, there was always an afternoon lineup of shows that we'd come home to and watch uh, when school was over. And uh, just some great old shows, old series that would be uh, replayed during this time. And there were shows like Leave It to Beaver and Bewitched and uh, the Andy Griffith Show, just kind of old timey shows like that that everyone would watch. And it was a great old show that was called Father Knows Best. And it was about a guy named Jim Anderson, his wife, Margaret, and their family. And there was always, they had two daughters and a son, and there was always some kind of problem the family was facing and and then some moral lesson included in the show. And Jim Anderson in each show would always have some very sage fatherly advice that when taken kind of solved the problem and everything worked out well. So hence the title, Father Knows Best. Well, here in Acts chapter 9, we really have a Father Knows Best moment, but it's not just any father, it is the Father, our Heavenly Father. And I'll begin reading in Acts chapter 9 in verse 10, and it says, There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I'm here, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For he, for behold, he prays. Now Saul of Tarsus, we later know, uh, most commonly as the Apostle Paul. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he's done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go your way. For he is a chosen vessel to me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared to you in the way as you came has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales And he received his sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And in verse 20, it says, And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. And then verse 22, But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is the very Christ. So this is a chapter background where we have the salvation um, experience recorded for us of the Apostle Paul. Um, Paul was a Jewish leader who was sent by the Sanhedrin from Jerusalem to the city of Damascus, Syria. And his job was to go there and present letters of authority to imprison Christians because they were trying to stop the spread of Christianity within the Jewish communities. But while Paul was traveling on the Damascus road, heading from Jerusalem to Damascus, Syria, man, a vision appeared to him, a great light from heaven. And Jesus literally spoke to Saul from heaven. And he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And in this text, Jesus attributes Saul, Paul's persecution of the Christians, as if he were persecuting Jesus himself. 
Well, through this experience, Paul becomes a believer, but along with becoming a believer in this instance, which is unique, he's blinded for three days. And during those three days, he doesn't eat. And he's sitting there and he's in Damascus. And that's where our reading picked up. And it's God's instruction to Ananias in verses 11 and 12. He tells him there's a man named Saul. He's blinded. And what does God say? He says, I want you to go to him. And I want him to receive his sight. So God gives instruction to this prophet Ananias to go to Paul and to lay hands on Paul that he would receive his sight. And and God says, go. And I was thinking about this passage. You know, God always has a go. And it's something that we have to do in order to advance his kingdom. You see it really throughout the entire Bible. You see God telling Abraham to go uh, into a land that he's never been, Genesis 12. Man, you have Isaiah's go where God tells him to go to the people and you see prophets being sent. You have Jesus's go, right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And here's God saying to Ananias, go. So Old Testament, New Testament, you always have God's go. Well, in our life today, you still have God's go. God is movement. God is uh, catalytic. He's got a mission. He's got a message. And he's got a job for all of us to do. And so every one of us that named the name of Jesus, we have a go from the Lord. There's something that God wants us to do in order to advance his kingdom. But as you can imagine, Ananias, we see in verse 13, 14, was super hesitant about going because he says there, I have heard from many people about this man, how he has persecuted your people, how he's putting them in prison. And so his common sense said, don't go. So here's the problem. God says, go. God has a go for each of us. But oftentimes our circumstances or our common sense says, don't go. And you know what? That thinking may even be informed by a lot of people. I found in my life as a leader, God oftentimes will lead me to do something that goes against the many. And uh, so uh, Ananias says here, I have heard from many about this man. What's he saying? Lord, I don't think I ought to do this because people think this is a bad idea. Well, I have just learned over the years, whether people think it's a bad idea or not, cannot be the judgment and the leadership that I take. Now, there is um, safety in the multitude of counselors, and I always have those counselors, But I can't just let the masses make the decision because that's assuming so many things about these people's spiritual walk, their insight, their perceptions. And so he says, I have heard from many. And so he began listening to the voice of many over the voice of one. And see, that's a bad place to be when we let the crowd dictate the outcomes of our obedience to Jesus Christ. Now, they weren't lying. They were just missing out on what God, only God knew. You see, they had common sense, but God has divine sense. And you go back to Matthew chapter number 16, you see this problem with Peter. Uh, in Matthew 16, 2, it says, from that time forth, Jesus began to show to his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. So Jesus tells him, I'm going to be crucified. This is what I need to do. But look at verse 22. It says, Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from you, Lord. This shall not be to you. 
So Jesus says, I'm going to the cross. And Peter says, Lord, don't go to the cross. Why? Because common sense made more sense than divine sense. But look what Jesus said to him, verse 23. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. Now, why? He said, for you do not savor the things that are of God, but instead those that are of man. So Peter's common sense said, Jesus, why in the world would you go to a cross and die? We need you here. Man, we're building a kingdom now, not later. And Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. And what was the problem? He said, you're not tasting the things of God. You're only tasting the things of man. That's kind of an Ananias moment, or maybe Ananias was having a Peter moment. And he says, I've heard from many about this guy. So God says, go. And Ananias says, I can't go. So what does God do? Look in verse 15 and 16. God clarifies the situation to Ananias. And he says, he's a chosen vessel to me. He's going to carry my word before before kings and before leaders. And uh, man, God says, I'm going to show him how many great things he has to suffer. So what does God say to Ananias? He says, this guy is going to be a great leader. Man, we'd know it as a great missionary, a great apostle. And God explains to him and clarifies his commandment. Now, the Lord is not obligated to explain himself, but here he does. He's not obligated. God doesn't know, owe us a reason. When he says go, we go. We're supposed to go. And God does not always clarify himself. But in this instance, he did clarify himself. And I think he did it here in such an important event as the commissioning of the Apostle Paul Because God wants us to forever have this story that shows us that there's always a reason behind God's go, um, even when we don't understand it, even when it doesn't make sense to us. And the clarification in this moment was, this guy's going to be a great missionary of the faith and of Jesus Christ. And Ananias, you are part of the chain of getting him where he needs to go. You need to go to him. You need to talk to him. You need to lay hands on him. You need to pray for him. You need to be my vessel to get him where he needs to be. And God was basically showing Ananias not what Saul was, but what Saul would become. And you know, the word become means it's something that will come into existence that's not yet here. So that's what faith is, right? Hebrews 11:1 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And so God sees in what will happen. God sees in what will become something that's going to come into existence that's not yet here. You see, we see the here and now. We see the way it has always been. We see the way it has always worked. And we just get so locked into that that anything else is wrong or it just doesn't make sense. But God sees how things will become. God sees what he is bringing about into existence. See, God doesn't operate on common sense. God operates in the realm of divine sense. And so God knew what was best. Father knows best. Even when Ananias didn't, Ananias had logic, but God had divine wisdom. Then we finally see Ananias' obedience in verses 17 and 18, and he goes and he does what God said. And then I read verse 20 and verse 22. Saul immediately begins to preach Christ. And the Bible says he grew and he went everywhere, proving that Jesus was the Messiah that was promised. 
And man, what a fruitful, fruitful um, ministry of the Apostle Paul. Man, think of his, you know, uh, magnum opus of his whole life in ministry, the, the book of Romans that we have today, in, in a human sense, wouldn't be here without Ananias's chain in the events of what God was doing. Now, we know on the divine side, God brings about his will regardless. But God used Ananias in the chain of bringing Paul, Saul, where he needed to be. And what blessing we receive today because Ananias followed God's divine sense instead of people's common sense. So I think the application, the principle is very clear. God's ways are not our ways. God sees what we do not see. He sends where we would not go and he blesses where our wisdom can't bless. So God doesn't do things the way that we do things. And so we have to resist the urge for our default to be our own logic, our own wisdom, our own common sense, Thank you for listening and today even to our own experiences. Join us every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes as we continue our devotional journey through the New Testament.